0: Everyone wants to value add in this day and age to their residential, to their commercial, to any property they have, because they know that's where the money's made. That's where you can get more cash flow, more growth, and ultimately make it a better investment. It's never about what you get at the front end. It's about what you can create on the back end. Good to great is the journey of a commercial property purchase and investment. Now, a lot of people will tell you it's easy to add value to commercial property. But if you pick it wrong, you'll lose a lot of money. But if you pick it right, you'll make a lot of money. And this is why you need expert guidance. And a lot of people talk about adding value to all the simple stuff, like to warehouses, to industrial, to land that's already there. Well, why not start with something harder? I want to start straight off the bat by talking about value add on, on properties that is the most not sought after in the market. So, and that's office space. Most of the time, people don't want to invest in office space because they're seeing that our oh, trends are people working from home. The companies are getting smaller spaces, but there's still a lot of ways to add value to an office space because we've got an education sector that's coming back with overseas students. We've got big corporations that are coming back into Australia. We've got small companies that don't want their workers to work from home and they're bringing them back. So there's many, many ways, many trends. We've got government companies that's coming in, medical centers that's going to office spaces. There's so many different changes in the commercial property space right now in office spaces that that's why I'm going to kick off this series of value-add series and I'm going to kick off with five ways you can add value to your office property. So join me for this podcast and let me walk you through how you can add value to your office space. Welcome to another episode of Commercial Property Roadshow. you here with Tarrant. Ter- Today, I'm actually going to do a series. So in the next couple of weeks, make sure you tune in. I'm going to talk about adding value. So and most people talk about oh, buying industrial properties and adding value. That's really a given, really quite simple. You know, you, you add a mezzanine floor, change to Tennessee, you do all of that. But how many people out there talk about all the different types? Like, The office spaces the retail any mixed tenancies converting residential to commercial that's what my series is going to be about it's going to go down deep and really delve deep into what you can do with different types of premises across the board right not just choosing the easier types to do it and not paying a premium in the market that's what i'm really about that's what really unicorn commercial property is about helen tarrant's about is that you're getting value for money, and maybe that's because I'm Chinese and I really need that value for money. I like to negotiate. I like to tweak things. I like to create uplift for our clients because I feel I'm not doing my job. if You haven't been educated properly. You haven't created the uplift, and you haven't achieved the massive benefit out of the property, and what is the strategy behind it? So today I'm going to talk about the five things you can do to uplift or create value, additional value, on an office property. And the reason I talk about this first round up is because it is the most difficult class of property to increase value, uplift, and increase, I guess, the capital growth in the back end as well as the cash flow, right? And it is also one of the most disliked type of property in the market by investors right now. And I think it's wrong because I think that if you get a really good office space in a good location with an underperforming tenant, you've actually struck gold, right? let's go through this so what's the top five or what's the five right so your five is the number one thing you do with office properties is to firstly see the tenant inside so what you're looking for and this is and each strategy has a different type of tenant and property and this is where strategy really comes in so the first type is to renegotiate with a tenant, right? And I think that on the face of it, it looks really, really easy to do, right? Go in, tell them you want a new lease and that's it. But no, what you're looking for is a property in a good location, a property that is probably a little bit run down. So it doesn't matter if the property is looking like, all right, so uh, the vendor or the strata hasn't really taken huge care of it. But as long as it's got a good tenant mix, it's got a good location. The location is really important. Uh, it's surrounded by good quality tenant and it's keeping up their rate per square meter. So these are all things covered in DD in due diligence. But these are the things that we typically look at if we're going out to source or find a property, if this is a strategy we're implementing, right? So you've got to know the strategy before you buy the property. And most people do it wrong because they buy the property first and then go, oh, let's add on some strategies. Doesn't work that way. So then what you do is you look for that particular property where it's underperforming in the sense that the property itself is not flash beautiful, but in great location, great tenant mix, and it's keeping up its rate per square meter. Not a huge amount of vacancies, but there is vacancies coming through because the vendors have not been taking care of the property. Now, obviously, during due diligence, we want to check to see there's no major strata issues like no roof replacement, no new air conditioning replacements, no like, cladding and all, all of those things, but Those things aside, your tenant's on there and it's probably on a short tenancy that's about to expire. So they're about to expire in three or six months' time, six months better, and also there might be have been on month-to-month for some time. So either one of those will work. And remember, in order to do this strategy, you need to have some servicing. You either have had a commercial property before Or you've been able to service it on a full documentation rather than a lease stock loan because it won't work at the lease stock. So then what you would do is you go in and you speak to the tenant and you can do this, some of it during due diligence, some of them afterwards, but this is all about finding out. So does the tenant want to stay? And if they want to stay can you increase the rent because they're paying under market rent and there's a reason they're paying under market rent and most of the time is because the property hasn't been refurbished so there's really simple things air conditioning needs to be upgraded the flooring probably need to be upgraded they probably need uh, the blinds or they probably need some window covering that needs to be upgraded but also they might need a slight tweak to the way that it's the layout of the property so they might say create a little kitchenette area or create another uh, office boardroom, or something just change the layout so if you could do those simple things to them you can get them to sign a longer lease plus or take their option plus also increase the rent as well because then you get to go to market rent without you doing it you won't be able to go to market rent but by doing that you're automatically in the back end in a very short space of time then this is two or three months of you getting into the property and settling on the property increase the value of the property so that's the number one thing to do the number two thing to do is to obviously change the tenant. So we're working on the first strategy, but this is becomes a little bit more radical. It's about changing the tenant. So you might, and this again is about you having a property, you can service the debt, right? So they're not looking at the tenant to service it. So it's not along a lease stock loan. The property's in a good location, It's got very good pretension terms of the rent has been maintained somewhat, but the tenant is wrong for it. So the tenant either is not performing well, so they're paying their rent, but they're not always on time, so they're late. The tenant may not be paying outgoings and they should be paying outgoings, but they're not. They just generally don't suit the premise. And you can know that and you know that by visiting the property right you know that by visiting the property and this is where others' buyers agents get it wrong and other people get it wrong because they don't visit the property even if it's an old town right you've got to visit the property and we make it on ourselves we visit every property we put our clients in one of our representatives from our team who knows what they're looking for going to inspect the property physically and that's the major difference because some of these properties are commercial if you don't know you don't look you have no idea right and so it's not a conceptual thing. It's a do thing. you got to do it, right? And so you've got to know, is how is the tenant underperformed? And they may be, right? And the premise might be a beautiful premise, and they may just not work, right? So, for example, you go in there and you go, okay, so you are a B2B client but you really should be in a warehouse or a retail shop you're a b 2 c client business or consumer but you're really not getting the exposure perhaps they're you know they're dentists on the second level they're a government agency or even they're just small operators of it companies and things like that it just doesn't doesn't work right you could change that especially when you look at the tenant mix in the building If the tenant mix in the building is allied health medical other professionals and all of a sudden you have a training college or an it guy doesn't quite work or media company it kind of works but it doesn't right so you go well what is the value of us swapping out that tenant and of course you're going to have some money as a backup for that so you can swap out that tenant so you put you basically at the end of their lease say to them hey you know what that's it's great but uh we're not really going to renew that lease we're not going to give you another lease or you just basically hike the rent up to the fact that they don't want to stay there anymore exit in the meantime find a new tenant for your property right find a new tenant coming in that is going to be a good fit with a secure lease with all of the bills and whistles you know all the outgoings that they pay and that increases the value of your property now that is a little bit more high risk than going to a tenant and you know renegotiating that is going to create some time of three or five months of vacancy in terms of metro sometimes even six but you need to allow for a buffer in place to be able to do that and that is really essentially up to you to be able to do that right so and you have that buffer but of course we talk about the strategy on our strategy call when you join us and you join our community before you exit that and we're going to see financially if that makes sense for you as well right so that's the number two strategy is swapping out your tenant so that you get better value and better cash flow and you get you know back-end capital gains and just the wrong tenant in a property that is really good and we have that we see that in offers we see that in retail we see that in industrial all the time probably more in industrial than in any other thing right so that's your number two number three is actually a little bit interesting. It is about like taking a big premise and making it smaller. Now, when people look at vacancies at the moment in metro areas and they go, oh, my God, Sydney has got over 20% vacancy and Melbourne's got 18%, you know, we don't want my office space. Now that's in the CBD and it's because of COVID and things are still recovering, but you'll find that these vacancies are 250, 400 square meters They're not 50 square meters, 80 square meters, or even 120 square meters. They're literally 250 to 400 square meters. Sometimes even a whole floor. Of course it's vacant, right? We don't have a company out there that is big enough to be able to come in and take over the whole floor. I mean, before COVID you would have accounting firms, financial planning firms, and you have law firms that take the whole floor. Now, Your biggest player that would take a whole floor is an education company, right, that has overseas students. Now, they're not going to come magically tomorrow, but they will come. But the best thing you could do for that is two things. You can make it a co-working space, which is building up popularity, or you can just simply carve it into smaller premises. Yes, you lose some netable area, but you'll also be able to charge more for for the small properties, right? Because most of the time when you see an office space, It has the toilets and everything amenities already on the floor. So you don't have to worry about that, right? So all you need to do is make 400 square meters, 580 square meter offices, or make some 50, make some 60, make some 80, make some 120, and you'll get them tenanted out. You get them tenanted out, and then you'll be able to increase the value because you're getting more cash flow coming in. Because in commercial property, you increase the cash flow, increase your rent, increase the value but also the interesting thing is you tweak it right and all of a sudden you have a property that has one single tenant which for the market is a risk to a multi-tenanted property which the market is sought after so all of a sudden you get an extra kick up right now that's going to require some capital costs that's going to require a different strategy and it's going to require some mentorship from us to be able to help you do it. But have we done it? Absolutely. We've helped people who are owner occupiers by a whole floor in areas like North Sydney or Sydney Metro, and they've occupied a part of it. Then we've sectioned off, you know, a 70-square-meter and a 50-square-meter space and basically created a communal office space that everybody in their office and the other two can use. There's already amenities on the actual floor and yeah you know, and all of a sudden is these tenants are actually you know paying 50 percent rent and they're paying less rent than where they were if they were renting somewhere else so these are some of the strategies you can use on uplifting the office space and of course then you get to control your tenant mix the rent and everything else and if you're really really clear and you really want to do this in the future You can strata within a strata, and that's part of DD, whether you can do that or not, but we'll find that out for you if that's your strategy. Strata within a strata, which means you can sell off some of these offices as well, Uh, which, again, in places like your Metro, Melbourne, Sydney, and Brisbane, that's where you're going to get that capital value and the capital kicker in that as well. So that being said, now we're on to number four. Well, number four is really about building what is needed in the market, right? So a lot of the tenants, you'll find that are government tenants need a lift. So you obviously, if you're in an office space, you've got a lift. But any of the NDIS tenants, governments, tenants, recruitment companies, or anything else, now they're saying that one in two people, when you take in aged or older people, plus you know kids with disability, plus pregnant women and prams, etc., one in two will need a lift, right? So if your building doesn't have a lift, then you can forget about getting these tenants onto the second level, right? Even medical centers who are moving to the second level because they're much cheaper, right? They want to make sure there's a lift and car spaces, right? And that's the most important thing when you're looking at office space. But the number four things is actually building amenities into the actual, uh, your office space. And the reason I say that is because there's certain type of tenants like your NDIS or government tenants who prefer, or even your medical tenants, especially medical tenants, prefer to actually... Um, have their own amenities in there so they don't want to be sharing out there they want to have a disability toilet they want to have a little kitchenette they want to have you know maybe a showering space for their actual clients or their actual tenant depends specifically to their need right especially if you're going to get someone who is maybe you know recently uh like i think recently a few months ago we did grow clinic in melbourne um now they're a hair transplant people now they're in a second level for so they're kind of a slash between office and retail but they're mostly you traditionally would you say an office space because they're not ground floor right so they have internal amenities for laundry internal amenities for uh, their bathrooms and a kitchenette even though on the floor they have you know disability toilets and everything else but they're going to need areas for their clients that have got privacy and of course they need to you know do the laundry and everything else and you'll find that with certain type of tenant upgrading those amenities um, will actually make sure that your property is more sought after compared to other tenants. So when you when it comes in, you get your rent per square metre is a little bit high because you've got that specifically internally where a lot of office spaces don't. The other thing is, you know, in fact, where I'm occupying in Sydney, the building in front of us, they actually have even a commercial kitchen they do uh, stuff like for the magazines and the cooking and stuff. They even have a commercial kitchen in their office space, right? They fully fitted it out. And I've been to developers' offices while they're you know, builders and developers and they put, uh, you know, kitchens like so they could do entertaining and stuff like that. So if, especially if you've got an office space that has a balcony and, you know, I know some office spaces that have balconies there, uh, especially for medical allied health with balconies, then what you're going to have is you're going to a full-on kitchen, really appeals to your tenants. So, blend and change that fit out to match the tenant or the potential tenant that is coming in which is going to increase the value and what you can rent the property out for so that is number 4 of course these things all need some capital cost and it's not the strategy for everybody but it certainly is the strategy for some people if you have the money aside and you may want to do that if even if you're buying self managed super fund where they don't where you're not allowed to change the nature of the property but you can fit out the property for the client or for the tenant or whatever you want, whatever they call it in under self-managed super fund, that is a strategy for you to create some uplift and some more value in your super. So you could also do that as well. Of course, then we're up to, Number five, number five is the last thing we talk about in terms of a building value in an office space. And number five is really about uh, buying vacant and retenanting, right? We've done, we talked about uplift. All the other four has been uplift with a tenant in there, uh, creating different values, uh, working with the tenant, swapping out the tenant, and, uh, and also, of course, and building amenities for a certain type of tenant, especially when you're swapping them out. Or, you know, just creating that better. But the other one is really finding time to hold, right? So if COVID was to happen again, what would I would do is to go to Sydney Metro, Melbourne Metro and buy a vacant office space. Now you're thinking you must be mad, right? Why would you do that, right? Well, because firstly... Office spaces before COVID was charging anywhere from $600 for your lower end office spaces per square meter to over 1000 sometimes $1,200 with, you know, views over the harbor and, you know, great views over the city and stuff like that. So there's this huge range and these professional tenants are taking, actually renting them out, but also the prices of them were like, you know, three mil for a small office space to five mil or six mil for a whole floor, right? Now that changed, and that, that came down by forty percent during and during the COVID period, and also even in late last year that was happening. Right, if you have the holding power, and you already have some cash flow coming through or you're contributing a lot to your super and you don't mind the vacancy or if you're a business owner and you just basically need your business owner you can afford a hold. you get massive amount of cash flow already and you want this strategy because the back end is more important to you than now then buying a vacant space in an area where it's got a good location good tenant mix already in the building but it's vacant can actually increase the value tenfold on the back end and let me just share with you how right this includes change of use of the property as well so for very good example is that you buy a vacant space right in sydney metro or melbourne metro and the reason i choose this is this is the two cities that has the most amount of uplift right so you buy that you buy a vacant space doesn't matter if it's down. in fact the more rundown the better you pay 40 percent less so let's say and i've literally seen this in auctions in big auction houses things in key sydney areas you buy half of for one Point five million, which is not even heard of like that's like giving away you can't even buy that as an apartment in sydney cbd i can't even buy a two-bedroom right so you get the vacant property you obviously refurbish it but one of the things to do is you uplift it for a certain tenant so for example for an education client like in a college right they need a nine B classification which means they need to have access to disability they have ratios for students ratios for, for students ratio for teachers and it's really made for international colleges or teaching uh for international students coming through on vocational language and vocational education so they could be cookery they could be doing um you know your marketing they could be doing business studies be doing they can be doing hospitality that all of these things right and the difference is a immediately a roughly about a 20 percent increase in your rent so for example at the lowest point in melbourne cbd when we we're looking at properties in metro uh, to get it as a vacant property, it's probably at $450 per square metre. That's when it was totally smashed. When you upgrade it to a 9B classification, it becomes $650 a square metre. But also you've changed for something that no one wants to something that all the colleges want, right? Because we've got so many students now coming in from Southeast Asia, from South America, and also just generally from the big cities around Asia that's coming in, um, from India and and you know and Bangladesh. They're really going to create the next wave there. You know, the Chinese students come in, but they come in through a Education. They're not coming through through the vacational language, but the Philippines, Indonesia, Brazil, all of these areas are coming through, right? So, to uplift that, number one. Number two, of course, you're buying a vacant, so you're getting the bargain placement, and you uplift it to the change of use. Then, of course, you then add on a fit out. So, then you've added on the first layer then you add on the second layer. So now instead of being $400 a square meter, you're doubling that to $800 a square meter because you've added the fit out. And then then you need to go out and there's providers out there who source these deals for these school. And we have clients who are particularly this type of client, that's how I know, who are looking for these premises and exactly what they want for these premises. So you then put the second layer of the fit out that matches them. So they get immediate compliance and you get the compliance for them because it's done for you. It's about taking something that's totally raw, Do it done for you, giving it to them and then they're paying a premium to be there right because remember they're charging literally every student coming off the bat they're charging the twenty thirty thousand dollars coming for the first year right so if you can increase how many students you can have in that area by doing sections and layouts and all layout plans how many colleges sometimes two colleges will share one premise and also this is also an excellent idea when you get a big premise and you cut it up into two or three you have multiple colleges there as well so and multiple different types of colleges so you obviously then you do the first layer is change of use second layer is the fit out and then you've gone from say 400 square meter to 650 to now 800 right so you've actually doubled your rate per square meter yes there's going to be capital costs but of course there's depreciation against it there's ways of to be able to write that off and of course you know it ultimately results a better uplift in the background whatever you're putting in the front end you have to triple that in the back end in terms of capital growth, right? Once these colleges come in, they don't want to really move because they have to get ASQA compliance. They have to get uh, compliance and approval from the students. They have to put out their marketing. Once they're there, they're there for the long term and they're signing, you know, five, 10-year leases, right? So... That is the level that you go as the extreme level in terms of office space. And there's so much to do. There is other organizations. That doesn't have to be education, but there's medical organizations out there. There's childcare that's now going to second level. So office space is what it traditionally now needs a tweak. So if you're looking at office space and you're thinking, oh, it's just plain boring, totally wrong, right? I've seen refurbishments for office space on the second level to childcare with open space areas. Of course, that is a freestanding building where you've got the second level. first level is retail. But it's still office space, right? Traditional office space have gone to medical centers as well. I've seen traditional office space go to any of the allied health. Traditional office space has now gone to your training organizations and these uh, colleges. And, of course, traditional office space now can be uh, people have used. And in our property, in our own property, we've got office spaces in regional where people have actually refitted out and even started doing Bikram yoga and training in them. So when you see these changes of use on these properties, that is gonna be the rejuvenation of office space. And that's why it's so important to remember the five value add properties. So what we do is firstly, we renegotiate the rent. So renegotiate and fit out or make an improvement on the property to get the tenant to re-sign and increase the rent. Number two, we take a bigger property and we split them into smaller properties, make them into smaller properties, which is more fitful for the market. We've got number three, obviously, you change out the tenant because the tenant itself is underperforming and it's not right for the property. So you strop out the tenant. Number four, you actually build amenities into the property to attract a higher level of tenancy. So you basically put in your kitchens, you put in your showering and laundry and things like that to attract a different type of tenant on a longer lease as well. Uh, so that's another level to refurbishment. And number five, buying a bargain basement vacant property, uplifting it to change of use, uplifting again with the uh, fit out, and then you get, you pick up, and then you flick it back on the market and sell it, right? It's an uplift property, especially a developer. This is absolutely perfect for you, right? And also you could, you know, refinance against it. So plenty of strategies, and that's what we offer most at Unicorn Commercial Property. We work with you to work out strategy, to work out the tenant profile, the property profile the location before we even start to execute and that's why we help you through education as well as bias agency so all you have to do click on the link find out more about us book in a strategy call and let us help you build a cash flow rich portfolio through commercial property click the bell subscribe see you the next one where i talk about uplift and value add for retail spaces bye for now so now you've found the five major ways to add value to your office commercial property there is more to tune in for this series as I take you through industrial warehouses, retail shops, mixed tenancies, and doing conversions, and in any other ways of additional value to your commercial property. So tune in for the other podcasts. But in the meantime, there's always little tweaks and little ways to make a deal happen in commercial real estate that it isn't in residential. Residential is straight up what you see is what you get in commercial. It is the process of having an investment, making it from good to great. And this is where we can really help you and excel because that's what Unicorn Commercial does, work with with like-minded clients to help them build a cash flow rich portfolio that's going to have growth in the back end. So click the link below, book in a strategy session, buy the book, join one of our community events, and I look forward to helping you in your commercial property journey.